Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my Essentially Whole Magnesium Restore Supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code PODCAST and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. One of the most common questions that I get about blood glucose outside of where do I get a continuous glucose monitor is what exactly is a blood sugar spike? How do they happen? And why does it matter if I get them? Now, before I get into the meat of today's episode, I'd like to answer the last question first. Now, as a recovering blood sugar spiker, because I can pretty much guarantee that I had blood sugar spikes every day throughout my entire 20s and definitely into my 30s, I can speak from experience that blood sugar spikes are like tiny little daggers that over time wear at your cells, your body, your organs, your brain, and your waistline. Anytime blood glucose rises particularly high and a blood sugar spike is defined as 30 milligrams per deciliter spike compared to where it was. So if, if your blood sugar jumps 30 milligrams per deciliter or more after you eat a meal, that's considered a blood sugar spike. Now, even if it's temporary, we know that our quality of life does suffer. Energy decreases, cognitive thinking ability falters, physical and athletic abilities become diminished, and mood becomes altered. And don't forget, what goes up must come down. The rapid blood sugar decline that usually follows a post-meal spike can cause false hypoglycemic symptoms, not to mention leaving you crashing, burning, and craving more of the same, right? More carbs, more sugar, more salty chips, right? That just puts you into an endless loop of mayhem that I call the blood sugar roller coaster that again, I was on for quite some time. Now, the more that you're on this ride, the more unsafe the ride becomes. So even though the spike is temporary, all of those spikes throughout the day or over time can raise your fasting insulin, your fasting glucose, and your hemoglobin A1C. Research shows that for those with an A1C below 7.5%, Post-meal readings actually have a greater influence on A1C than fasting blood sugar. That's why I always recommend if you do get a glucose meter or a continuous glucose monitor to always be looking at your blood sugar 15 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, and two hours after that meal to really get a sense of what's going to happen postprandial with your blood sugar. Now, the long-term effects of postprandial hyperglycemia, which is like a blood sugar spike, have been studied extensively. For those with type 1 diabetes, significant post-meal rises have been shown to produce early onset of kidney disease and the acceleration of the progression of existing eye problems, known as retinopathy. And like a dagger through the heart, post-meal hyperglycemia is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular problems, right? And a lot of other cardiometabolic issues. Recently, post-meal spikes and glucose variability has been associated with diminished brain function and an increased risk of dementia. 
plus the constant need to fuel up with more sugar, aka because of those cravings. And this is being driven by one, hormones, and two, your microbiome, right? Those sugar craving microbes that are just needing more and more. Well, this leads to many of the symptoms that I talk a lot about, but particularly we're talking weight gain, especially belly fat, hormone imbalances, chronic fatigue, and mood swings. These are the types of disruptions that you can experience literally in real time or definitely begin to notice over a very short period of time. Now, if any of that sounds a little bit scary, I'm not going to lie. It's because it is, which is why I'm putting so much energy towards helping you understand this extremely important connection and really giving you all the tools, tips, and resources to start healing today. Getting our blood sugar balanced is one of the most important and critical things that we can do to our overall longevity. But in the short term, we're talking about helping to support our menstrual cycle, our energy levels, our brain function, our mood support. I mean, there's so many areas where blood sugar can be sending us off kilter that if we could just bring our blood sugar back into balance, we would feel so much better. So now that you know why all this matters, what actually is a blood sugar spike and how do they happen? Well, blood sugar spikes are often brought on when eating too much food containing carbohydrates, particularly simple carbohydrates or processed carbohydrates. When you eat food containing carbohydrates, your body breaks down those carbs into simple sugars called glucose. Glucose enters the bloodstream. When that amount of glucose in your bloodstream starts to rise, it sends a signal to the pancreas to release the hormone called insulin. Now, insulin's job is to act like a key to unlock the doors of different cells in your body. And this allows glucose to leave the bloodstream and enter the cells to be used for energy or to be stored for later use. Without insulin, glucose stays in the bloodstream, causing blood sugar levels to rise even higher, and this can lead to serious health problems. Now, in diabetes, particularly, let's say, type 2 diabetes, there isn't enough insulin or it's not working properly. Because of this, it's very important for people with diabetes to regularly monitor the blood sugar levels, making sure they are in a safe range. Now, it is normal for the blood sugar to rise a small amount after eating, right? That's always gonna happen, even in people who do not have diabetes. However, if the spike is too high, which is considered a rise again, as I mentioned earlier, 30 milligrams per deciliter or more up to two hours after a meal, it can affect your quality of life today and contribute to serious health problems like the ones I've already mentioned down the road. In a non-diabetic, consumption of carbohydrates results in two important reactions. One, the immediate release of insulin into the bloodstream and the production of a hormone called amylin, which keeps food from reaching the intestines too quickly. In most cases, the after-meal blood sugar rise is barely noticeable. However, in people with diabetes, the situation is like a baseball player with very slow reflexes batting against a pitcher who throws 98 miles per hour. We're talking about crazy fastballs here. The timing is just not good. So rapid-acting insulin that is injected or infused by a pump at mealtimes takes approximately 15 minutes to start working. 60 to 90 minutes to peak and four hours or more to finish working. So just note that when it comes to, you know, a situation where you have diabetes, it just becomes more fine-tuned to really pay attention to what kind of meal you're consuming, what your blood sugar is like before going into that meal, and then again, really determining how much insulin you're going to need so that you manage the blood sugar response in the blood regarding being taken up by our cells. And don't forget about the amylin hormone effect. 
In people with diabetes, amylin is either produced in insufficient amounts or not at all. As a result, food digests even faster than usual. The combination of slower insulin and faster food can cause blood sugar spikes to rise absurdly high very soon after eating. So imagine a hockey stick rise in blood sugar versus a slow and steady hill climb. And just to kind of give you an example, you know, I've been wearing a continuous glucose monitor for so long now, and I haven't had too many incidences where I've had major hockey stick moments where I consumed something and within 15 to 30 minutes, it just shot up like a steep, steep hill climb. And one of those examples, as I've shared here on the show, was the time that I had what I thought a non-sugar frappuccino, because that's what I ordered. I wanted ice and almond milk and espresso, but I ended up getting one pump of like an espresso syrup because there was a miscommunication. So I ended up drinking about half of this. Believe me, I did know that there was sugar in it. I can detect sugar in anything. I've got like major sugar sensors, but I thought, you know what? I'm wearing the CGM. It was one of the first times I was wearing it. I was really curious to see like how fast can this thing spike? I had never seen anything like it. It spiked up to 160 milligrams per deciliter from like 90 milligrams per deciliter. It was a 70 point spike which is insane. I mean, it happened so fast. I'd never seen anything like it. So just know that a slushy margarita, a vanilla latte, a frappuccino, ice cream, you know, a Coca-Cola, a Snickers bar, those are the things that are going to hockey stick you pretty much guaranteed, If especially if you consume it all by itself. If there's nothing to help curtail or or like slow down how fastly rapid that glucose hits your system, then you're going to have a massive blood sugar spike. And I will say the bigger the blood sugar spikes consistently over time, the more damage that you're creating. The goal is we really want to aim to not go above that 30 milligrams per deciliter, but also to have a steady release of blood sugar over time, over the course of two hours after that meal. So that means that your body has the opportunity to really handle it with a lot of grace and very functionally at that. So I want to get into how you can track your blood sugar. The exact timing of blood sugar spikes can vary from person to person and meal to meal, kind of just like I described a second ago, right? A blood sugar spike of a raspberry sorbet can still shift person to person. I'm pretty much guaranteed to see some level of a blood sugar spike, but again, there are factors that can affect you eating that sorbet. However, on average, the post-meal spikes tend to be about one hour and 15 minutes after starting a meal. Again, it can be faster depending if you just ate straight dessert, or it could be even slower if it was like a salad with some blueberries in it with a big hefty serving of salmon and healthy fats like avocado and olive oil. You may, you know, you may see that blood sugar rise slowly over time over the course of two hours. So it just, again, it really just depends on what you're eating, what you're combining it with, what time of the day you're eating it. There's a lot of factors that go into your blood sugar management. Now, the best way to measure post-mill patterns is by using a continuous glucose monitor, which I wear almost every single day. I wear it, let's say, about two months out of every three months. So I'm probably wearing it a little bit about nine months out of the year, give or take. And the two companies that I love the most that do a great job with their interface and helping you to understand what's going on and for help you to track all those things is going to be Nutrisense and Levels Health. 
So those are two companies that I highly recommend going and checking out. They have so much great research. They've been tracking blood sugar for quite some time. So they really have a lot of great insight into what is going on with your body. Now, note that those are the companies because unless you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes, which many of us don't, thankfully, you can't get this from your practitioner. Like normal practitioners are just not going to write a prescription for a CGM. It's just not going to happen. So you have to go through companies. Now, these companies, this is an app technology they use to integrate with a continuous glucose monitor. So actual companies that make continuous glucose monitors are Medtronic, Dexcom, Abbott. Those are the big ones. And the one that I've been using, I've used Dexcom once, but I usually use Abbott and it's typically the Libre Freestyle. And it's a 14-day sensor that you put on the back of your arm. It doesn't hurt at all. And you scan your phone, you scan the app over it, and that information integrates with either NutriSense or Levels Health. And what I'm going to do in, a, in about a week or two is I'm going to actually devote an entire episode to the most common questions of continuous glucose monitors so that you have a better sense of what a continuous glucose monitor does, what's the kind of data you're going to get, what kind of health improvements you can make from it, right? Because the juice needs to be worth the squeeze. They are a decent investment to get started, but I think that they're 100% worth it, even if you only wear a continuous glucose monitor for one month. And you just look at things like what happens when I drink coffee all by itself in the morning before I have anything else? Like, does my blood sugar spike? Does it drop? What happens if I do circadian-based intermittent fasting? So 12 hours on, 12 hours fasting window. What happens if I eat a sorbet by itself? What happens there? What happens if I have a a vanilla latte, the one that I always love with oat milk? You know, whatever that is for you, just be looking at that. Now, if you're looking for a cheaper option. The other option is a glucose meter. You can get them at CVS or Walgreens. They're everywhere because so many people are struggling with diabetes, either type one or type two. Glucose meters are very, very popular and very, very inexpensive. Just note that you're going to have to prick your finger with a glucose meter versus the continuous glucose monitor that kind of snaps in and then you don't have to do anything to it outside of scanning it. So there could be more pain to the glucose meter every single time you decide to check your blood sugar. And it's a little bit more labor intensive as well because you got to do a couple of more steps to kind of get that information. Now, if you want to learn more about how your sleep impacts your blood sugar and also how your blood sugar impacts your sleep, I just did an episode, episode 505, to really understand that because there is important information when you're tracking your blood sugar. One, before going to bed, right when you wake up in the morning, you're fasting blood sugar and right after your last meal before heading to bed as well. So that can give you a lot of key insight in terms of your sleep, the quality of sleep you're getting. Also, is your sleep having an impact on your blood sugar? And then the other thing that I love about continuous glucose monitors is it's not just the food that you're eating that's having an impact, right? Sleep is having an impact. Stress is having an impact. I told a story of last week when I was racing off to go see one of my besties because she was in town from Austin and stress was at one point very much my Achilles heel, but I used to always think it was my unfair advantage. Like it was like in a video game, you know, where you could push your like ultimate power energy cell and it goes all the way up. That's how I would leverage cortisol and adrenaline. And so I kind of kicked into that gear on accident. And, you know, it's one of those things where I'm a recovering stressaholic. So I know how to kick into that gear if I want to, but I always 
always know that the effects are detrimental, hence why it doesn't happen very often. And I know that's true because I can see it on my whoop strap, on my heart rate variability, and also on my continuous glucose monitor in terms of my blood sugar. So I had not had anything that morning at all. It was like 11 o'clock and I was going to have lunch. I was going to break my fast at lunch. And I was racing from my gym appointment, handling some things for my family and just hopping into the shower and racing out the door to get to the restaurant that we were meeting at. And so I look at my blood sugar before we're about to sit down to have a meal. So I was just curious, like what happened with my blood sugar when I worked out? Also, another time that you're going to spike, especially depending on how hard that workout was, the harder the workout is, the harder you're training, the more your blood sugar is going to spike because it's pulling glycogen reserves from the liver to your muscle cells. So it's a total normal and okay event for your blood sugar to spike when you work out. So I looked at that and yeah, I had a little bit of a spike. It was a pretty hardcore workout with my trainer. Then I got home and I had a 42 point spike. I went from 100 from my workout. So I, was, I started at like 70 that morning, went up to 100 because of my workout, not super crazy, and then jumped to 142 on my way to my friend. And it wasn't food at all. I hadn't eaten since 6 p.m. the day before. So it had nothing to do with food. It was 100% my stress that drove that response. And so, yeah, I always kind of joke that you can absolutely drive a blood sugar response or a blood sugar spike similar to eating a cupcake without ever eating a cupcake. And so it was just a really big aha moment for me to be mindful about how I operate in the world and how I can up-level my stress response system more easily than I would love to believe. And when you've got wearables and you can biohack some of this and kind of get information in real time, it can be a really beautiful lesson to be like, okay, you know, this high gear that you just went into, maybe not a good idea. So I just wanted to share with you a little bit about what are the things that you could be expecting when you're wearing a continuous glucose monitor or even using a glucose meter that isn't necessarily related to food. So as I mentioned earlier, but I do want to get a little bit into the weeds here, is how exactly is too high, right? How high is too high? Now, I will say that technically there is no universal answer, but many functional doctors agree, and even NutriSense and Levels will agree. Let's say you are at 70 milligrams per deciliter, you have a meal and you jump to 100 or over 100, that's over a 30 milligram per deciliter spike post-meal. And that is considered a glucose spike. Now, I will tell you that your general GP or the American Diabetes Association recommends keeping your blood sugar below 140 milligrams per deciliter one or two hours after eating. But even this is too high for most people, especially women. I personally recommend keeping your blood sugar levels under 120 milligrams per deciliter post-meals on average and optimally keeping blood sugar under 110 milligrams per deciliter post-meal. Now, I will say that keeping your blood sugar below 110 milligrams per deciliter post-meal is very ambitious. It is definitely my goal. And I just had a CGM on this last month, and I think there were only a few times that I went over 120 at all with food. And most of the time I stayed under 110 or I got up to like 112, 113, 114. So again, it's a very optimal number, but it is possible even if you've got some level of insulin resistance, which I have had, I'm dealing with lingering fasting insulin resistance. I know that I have some insulin resistance that I'm still repairing, that every single day we can make healthy decisions. We can vote with our fork in terms of what's going on with our blood sugar to move us closer and closer to that optimal range. Because I know that the more stable my blood sugar is, the better I'm going to feel, the more energy I'm going to have, the more brain function I'm going to have, but also the more longevity I'm going to have 
have because I'm going to be mitigating some of those really big whopping cardiometabolic risk factors like diabetes, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, you know, those big ones that really have a profound impact on women. Now, I will say that on a rare occasion, I will see a spike heading closer to 140 milligrams per deciliter. Again, as I mentioned earlier, it's usually due to hardcore weight training workouts or stress or surprise. It could be, it could be food. It absolutely can be. It has been for sure. And although there are no specific guidelines provided for type 1 versus type 2 diabetes or insulin users versus non-insulin users or children versus adults, based on my experience, I usually recommend the following. So if someone is pregnant with diabetes, post-meal goal is under 140 milligrams per deciliter, adults taking mealtime insulin under 180 milligrams per deciliter. And these are very conservative. Adolescents, so 12 to 18, 200 milligrams per deciliter. School-age children, 225 milligrams per deciliter. Preschool and toddlers, 250 milligrams per deciliter. Type 2s not taking mealtime insulin, 140 milligrams per deciliter. So you can see that, again, the goal that the American Diabetes Association is going to recommend, and again, your GP is going to as well, your primary physician, is going to say you want to keep your post-meal glucose down under 140 milligrams per deciliter. But if you can, my recommendation is to aim even lower especially for us women where blood sugar variability and blood sugar spikes can lead to bigger disease outcomes over time. Now, once you know how high your blood sugar is spiking, there are a few things that you can do right now, right away to get it under control and back into balance fast, right? And I have a full episode on this on how do you hack a blood sugar spike in real time? So the first thing you want to do is you want to eliminate those added sugars Check out episode 492 for all the benefits to doing this. So 492 was like the 10 massive benefits for removing added sugar. And it is one of the top episodes right now on the show, which I am amazing, like just gleefully surprised and excited that you are so interested in knowing what are the mega benefits of cutting out added sugar. Next is starting to build more metabolically healthy meals. Now, the episode that I dive deep into that, and I'll probably continue to spend more time on this, it was episode 383, and it's how to build metabolically healthy meals. Incorporate intermittent fasting into your routine, even if it's just a circadian-based fast, a 12-hour fasting window, 12-hour eating window, and go from there. Incorporate resistance training three to four times a week. Improve your sleep hygiene because it has a profound impact on your blood sugar. Drink two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar or any vinegar. I just find that apple cider vinegar tastes the best. At least five minutes before a carby meal or even up to 20 minutes after a carby or sugary meal. And then if you really want to help support yourself on a consistent basis, I highly recommend my glucose support supplement. It is a game changer. I cannot tell you how many women have come to me and told me their hemoglobin A1C has dropped into normal range when that is anything below 5.7%. A hemoglobin score of 5.7 is in the prediabetes range. So I want to get you under 5.7. That is the name of the game. So my glucose support supplement not only works on post-meal glucose spikes, but it also works on post-meal insulin spikes as well. And it also addresses triglycerides, cholesterol, and so many other facets of metabolic health. Now, I will be linking all of these related episodes in the show notes. I know there was a lot of related episodes that I mentioned today. 
But again, I think it's important, you know, when you're interested in a subject like this, especially when it comes to our blood sugar, and here's the thing, 95% of us spike our blood sugar at least once a week, 95% of us, right? If not more, there are some people who are spiking their blood sugar multiple times a day, and we don't know. And especially for women, it can be so, so silent. Like if you have blood sugar levels that are creeping to 187 milligrams per deciliter, or maybe it's heading to the 90s or 95, or maybe it's close to 100 milligrams per deciliter, I can guarantee that insulin resistance has been creeping up 10 years prior. So if you see creeping blood sugar levels, especially after the age of 35 years old, note that there's some level of insulin resistance there. And the way that we turn back the clock on that, the way that we reverse those numbers and get you moving in the opposite direction where your blood sugar is a fasting blood sugar of 80, or it's a fasting blood sugar of 75 or 78. The way that we do that is through monitoring our blood sugar, figuring out what we eat, what's having an impact on our blood sugar in a good way or in a bad way and start modifying our diet in accordance to that. So that's really the name of the game. And one of my favorite hacks for this is either apple cider vinegar or my glucose support supplement to help kind of curtail some of those moments because those moments are going to happen. That's a guarantee. Even when I'm wearing a CGM, there are definitely times where there was an ingredient in a recipe or there was something in a sauce that just will drive my blood sugar. And I'll be like, oh, okay, good to know. I had no idea. Even when you think you're so, so careful, things just slip through. And so the more that you are able to track this information and know your body and know how your blood sugar responds, the better that you make changes, biohack your chemistry, biohack your blood sugar so that you feel better and that you reduce the risk of big time chronic diseases down the line. Well, if you loved the tips in this episode, if you learned something new today, especially around your blood sugar and blood sugar spikes, be sure to subscribe to the show for more easy tips to heal your hormones and upgrade your health. And if you get a moment, please review it. That way more women find this episode, find this show, and really step into becoming the CEO of their health. Until the next episode, have an amazing day. 